Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A Dear Media original podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by ButcherBox. I am so in love with this company. I think that it's so nice to have some decisions that are already pre-made for you. In my household, chicken is a love language. I do it all different ways, but the most special way I do is braised chicken. And I think the reason why it's so special is that it takes a little bit of time. It's longer than just kind of like your casual weeknight meal. It takes like an hour and a half to make. I made it recently with my butcher box chicken thighs, and it was phenomenal. The thing about ButcherBox is that you're always going to get 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. It's always humanely raised and no antibiotics or added hormones, and I just really trust them. It's delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping always, and they offer curated to customize box plans, which I love. The other thing is there are a variety of really high quality cuts at an amazing value. There are exclusive member deals and there are recipe inspiration guides and tips and hacks, which I absolutely love. Sometimes it's really nice to just have someone really give you a guide of what you should make for you. It takes the pressure off of having to know what you're going to make every week. And I've gotten some great ideas from them. ButcherBox is giving us a special deal. Sign up today using the code instinct to receive ground beef for a year plus $20 off your first order. That's two pounds of ground beef free in every box for a year plus $20 off your first order when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash instinct and use the code instinct. Hi, welcome to Good Instincts. I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. This should feel good, like really good. And it will, I promise. Today we have Hal Hirschfield, who is a professor and a researcher and a psychologist and now the author of Your Future Self out next week. Hal, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Me too. And I have talked about your research extensively in my book and on here many, many times. But for anyone that's not familiar, it's all about the connection between the way we think about ourselves in the future and our day-to-day decision-making, which obviously has so much to do with what I do with nutrition and 
at the same time, the way this started for you and the way you started first started thinking about this was in terms of financial decisions and saving for the future. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I originally got into these ideas. I mean, now it feels like ages ago around the financial crisis where you see all these people who are in like bad situations because maybe they didn't save as much as they knew that they should. And now they're in debt. And there's a big gap between where you want to be and where you actually are. And you know, you think about financial decisions. One of the things that's so hard is that you've got to make sacrifices today for some future version of you. And that's a that's a really tricky sort of calculation to make all the time. And you can see you can see how it easily applies to health decisions and eating decisions and so on. Well, again, we have these sort of present future trade-offs. Completely. And and that's why it's been so instructive for me. I mean, just all of it in terms of, you know, thinking about the trade-off between something, a reward you can reap like right now and in the future. And at the same time, like, how do you make those decisions day to day? And the thing that I thought was so wild about the research was showing that it's not just that people weren't wanting to save for the future. It was that they were thinking about themselves as completely different people. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, some of my some of my work and some work from other people suggest that when we think of our future selves, it's not like we're thinking about, you know, me. You're thinking about essentially another person, right? right. So that future self almost seems like a different person altogether. So we've actually shown this in the brain the brain activity that comes about when you think of your future self, that looks a lot like the brain activity that comes about when you think of another person, which to me is wild, right? Because it's really suggestive. It actually of this, is like, wild. It's wild, right? And okay, so all of a sudden, when you start to really think deeply about this, maybe it makes sense that some of these decisions, the healthy eating or exercising, saving and so on, it makes sense that they're so difficult because it's not like I'm sacrificing for me. I'm sacrificing for some <laughs> some other person altogether, right? Psychologically, if they feel like they are kind of random, kind of not someone we know, someone that they're not really, we're not really connected to, then like it's almost rational to just do whatever I want right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think the thing that I thought was also really interesting was like you, like when you showed those individuals aged versions of themselves, essentially, they were like, oh, there's more connection to that future self. And we've talked about this. And I mean, there are like apps that you could do that with. But I think one of the things I've talked about, and I've seen it a ton because brides do really well. And I think it's because they can imagine with great specificity, not just how they want to look, but how they want to feel in the future. But I was wondering if you had any ideas of ways that you could connect to that future self as well. That is such an interesting example. I hadn't thought about that, but you're so right. It's first off, it's just so specific. There's a specific image, there's a specific time. And I also roughly have a sense of the things I want to do between now and that that time, right? right? And so that's the same thinking and ideas that went into my colleagues and I trying to show people their future selves, right? With, you know, age progression, technology, or make someone look older. Anybody can really download this sort of thing now. That's not the sort of end-all be-all. The the big idea here is how can we make your future self more vivid? Because ultimately that's going to be more emotional. Yeah. And it's really hard to connect to something. And 
strive for a goal for something that's abstract and without color and not emotional, right? So beyond, you know, age progress images, an exercise I really like is writing a letter to and then from your future self. The beauty of that is it forces you to step into the shoes of your future self and Mm. see the world through their eyes. Essentially, the components that are at play in your bride example, which is not just thinking about some period of time in the future, but getting really specific about, you said it, how I want to feel, who I'll be spending my time with, what Mm. what I'll be doing, um, what does my work life look like? All of these things. I mean, this this could apply to you know 20, 30 years down the line, but it can also apply to next summer or five years from now or maybe even in three months. These are all future selves who we can feel different levels of emotional connection to. I love that. I think that that's really cool. And it's so cool hearing it straight from you because I, I, again, I'm just like so impressed by this research and I've been so fascinated by it for years. And I also think, and you mentioned a little bit about this in the book, which I thought was really sweet, but I had been thinking about this too, which is that obviously ideally you want to be able to connect with that future self for you to make good decisions that have that long-term payoff for yourself. But I think that then when you become a parent, that also becomes a little easier because there's this really obvious thing that you're, you have for the future that you, you want to do really well. And you brought up in the book, I did get an early copy and I've been really, really into it. And you told this really sweet story about when your wife was pregnant. And this was very much a pregnancy that you very much wanted and you were really excited, but very quickly it turned to anxiety because you were like, well, then who am I going to, like, am I all of a sudden going to lose myself in in this? And who am I going to be in the future? And you spoke about it really eloquently and I loved it. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I love that that connected. Um, you know, it's funny because before we had kids, I think the only thing I thought about was the idea of, you know, my wife getting pregnant. And we th- I thought about the idea of having a baby. And then what I failed to consider was all of the changes that would happen after that. And several years ago, I got invited to this. It was a conference and it was actually, it was wild. It was in Iceland, which I never, like, you never get to go to a conference yeah. in Iceland. So I was like, of course I'm going to go to yeah. this. And my wife came along and, and I'm in the room and there's the first speaker gets up. And by the way, at this point, I'm like a little bit bored because I'm like, (laughs) what am I doing? I'm in Iceland and I'm in a conference room. Like, this is crazy. My wife was like out sightseeing and all this stuff. And the first speaker gets up and she's like, I want you to imagine for a minute that you can become a vampire. And I was like, wait, why in the world? This is the best opening to any like academic talk. And she, she has this whole thing where she's like, all your friends are becoming vampires and they say it's the greatest thing and you should become a vampire too. You'll love it. But the only catch, and there's this big catch, is that once you become a vampire, you can't undo it. You can't like all of a sudden not be a vampire. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and three days before this trip, we had found out that my wife was pregnant. And it was like, as you said, it was planned. We were excited. And I'm hearing this whole talk about vampires and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, becoming a parent isn't all that different. And I'm having this like anxiety spiral of like, what will happen to my identity? Who will I be? I can't know this person. Mm. And like at that moment, L.A. Paul, who was the speaker, says, this is, of course, just an analogy to becoming a parent. <laughs> it's like, oh God, <laughs> this yeah. speaks to me. And the thing that was so emotional about this to me was it really highlighted how we can think ahead 
but we can never really know who will be because we can't fully anticipate how going through some transition like parenthood or a new job or a new city, we can't fully appreciate how those transitions will change us. And that that can be scary, but it's also in a way liberating because I think it means that part of the whole idea of becoming sort of an adult and becoming your future self is that you do change and you yeah. can't anticipate it. And there's something sort of lovely about that because I think we can attach on to sort of a looser version of who we'll be, but still pay attention to the sort of core important things, the values, the things that make us who we are and will continue to make us who we are. I love that so much. And that's a theme that's come up here before, which is that, you know, anytime there's like this gap between like who you are and where you want to be or like just an unknown gap, it can scare the shit out of you and it can absolutely be so terrifying. Or there can be this kind of like, I don't know, maybe that's kind of exciting. Like we know these core values about ourselves, but then there's like this unknown piece, the same as like graduating from college or all these things that if we choose to let it terrify us, it will, but it can also be, like you said, kind of liberating. But I love that example. And I thought that that was really cool. And I think that there are people who are becoming parents who are new parents. And I think like staying true to your values and your goals, but also knowing that like there is this whole future self piece that we're working towards, but isn't like a fully formed idea in our head can be kind of exciting. There was this other analogy in the book that I absolutely loved, which is this idea for packing for a trip and this idea that we can't always know how we'll feel in the future. And I thought it was really cool. And I was wondering if you would tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I, everyone I think has probably had this experience where you, you're going on a trip and you, you you have some idea about the trip. So, I mean, I, I first thought about this. We used to live in Chicago. And I remember we were going on this trip. We we're going like a beach vacation type thing. And it's like February in Chicago. It's incredibly cold. I'm um, in the like jacket that goes all the way down to your ankle. Yeah. And, you know, I'm packing and I know, okay, I know it's going to be warmer where I'm going, obviously. But I get, I still get kind of anchored on like how cold it is in Chicago. And I pack like, a couple light sweaters, like just in case I need it yeah. <laughs> at night. And the funny thing about this, and this is like just an analogy, right? This is packing for a trip. But if you think about it in terms of the way we treat our current and future selves, it's sort of like thinking ahead to the future, but not appreciating how the future will be different from the present and mm-hmm. using all of our feelings in the present to project ahead onto yeah. our future self. And the problem there is that we trick ourselves into thinking that we're taking care of our future selves, but really we're failing to appreciate how that person may change and may be different from us. I mean, it's not that different if we're in a relationship. It would be like me buying my partner a gift that I want (laughs) because I sort of just attach my own feelings to them, failing to appreciate that, of course, they're a little different from me and they'll be, they'll continue to be different, you know? And so that is a, I think that's the type of thing that becomes hard to appreciate, hard to appreciate like how we will change going down the line in the future. Yeah, I really love that. And it goes along with a lot of themes that we talk about here, which is kind of like, you know, you have to be open to the fact that like things can change and that you there are these unlocks. Like, And there was another part of the book in this same chapter talking about the guy who um, when he was like traveling and jet lagged and whatever, he would say no to these 
to these speaking engagements that he actually really enjoyed and were cool because in the moment he's like stressed and tired and whatever. And he was just like, no. And I think that we do that a lot in our own ways of being like, I'm in this thought loop. I'm feeling really like rigid and like not open to the things being different. And I see it a lot with my clients. And we actually did an episode recently about this, but this idea that like, are we willing to consider that that our mental state and the way we feel about this and the way that things have worked in the past could be different in the future in a good way? Totally. And I think that is, you know, in that same conversation, one of the things that he said to me, this is George Lowenstein, is this economist. And he said, you know, it's sort of like when I'm depressed, I think I'll always be depressed. Yeah. And when I am super energized, there's another version of this too, which is like when I'm super energized, I may take on projects thinking that I'll be able to maintain that same level of energy throughout yeah. when in reality, like I'm not appreciating how I'll eventually tire or I'll eventually get exhausted or whatnot. And so one of the takeaways from this line of thinking that I really like is that we should give ourselves a little more compassion. We should be a little bit more forgiving of the reality of change, right? So we should recognize that I I can plan, but I can't, I can only plan in such a degree, like, and that my feelings may change. I may get better at something. I may get worse at something. And so that's okay. Cause that's just part of moving through time, essentially. I love that so much. Something that has come up a ton, and now I'm curious if it's valid in terms of how you feel about it, is like we've brought up the future self stuff up so much that a lot of times we're like kind of not even just five, 10 years down the line, but what about your next day self? Like a lot of times Mm -hmm. making a decision now just to even set up your next day self, whether that's, you know, cutting up veggies so that you have dinner prepared for the next day or the meal prep stuff or any of that. And that actually really helps people. And I was wondering from like the standpoint that you're talking about from, is that legit talking about your next day self? A hundred percent. Because first off, you know, when I think about future selves and current selves, you can think about this on the level of years, right? So like when I first started, it was retirement, 20, 30 years down the line. But next day self is still in some ways a different self. I mean, I have a lot in common with the version of me who will wake up tomorrow. Right. But there's other things I don't have in common, right? Like up at night, like I want to catch up on succession, yeah. but I know that like, if I start that next episode, like I am going to be really tired tomorrow. Cause like, I, I also know myself, I know I'm not going to turn it off. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, the other version of this or another version of this is I know that not even my next day self, but my tonight self, like if I wake up and I've told myself I want to work out and I say, you know, what? I'll just do it tonight. I know that the likelihood that that'll actually happen decreases dramatically with like each successive hour of the day yeah. <laughs> because I'll just get more and more tired. And the same thing, you know, if I'm thinking about, if I have a goal of wanting to eat healthy, one way to make that goal easier to obtain is to make it as well easy as possible to obtain. I know that sounds a little bit roundabout, but one of the sort of lines of research that I really got into in writing the book was basically recognizing that there are these versions of ourselves who will mess things up each and every time, you know, and that I, I say that I'll, I say that tonight I will, that will be the night that I don't snack. Tonight is going to be the night that I don't order in. And then tonight comes around and it's like, I am great at coming up with an excuse for why tonight should be the night that I do snack or that I do order in or whatever it is. But if I can put some guardrails on my behavior, 
whether that is literally doing the meal prep in advance, you know, or locking some food away or whatever. I mean, there's all sorts of versions of this, right? The beauty there is that it essentially constrains my future behavior in such a way to make it easier to do the things that I said that I want to do. Absolutely. And there's, you know, all this other research, which I'm sure you're really familiar with, which is like this idea on willpower, which is that I think traditionally everyone thought it was like a personality trait. Some people have it and some people don't, but actually it's this limited resource that is pulled from when we're like not yelling at our kids when they're being crazy, that we're not like honking at everyone in the street. So by the end of the day, we have such little willpower reserve that it's really hard. So there are different ways that you can engage the prefrontal cortex more to make these really thoughtful decisions. But there are also other ways, which in some cases are better at the end of the day, where you kind of bypass the need for willpower at all, which is just pre-committing to a decision ahead of time that's going to benefit your future self. I think that committing to your future self, even if it's your, your next day self or your tonight self, really, really helps that. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the important things there is to know one thing we can do is to try to increase or enhance our relationship with our future self. That's really hard too. So another way to do it, like you said, is to bypass it entirely and figure out how do we constrain our behavior to make it easier to do these things that we said we wanted to do. Right. Make it easier to do the thing that we want. And that's the thing making, I think the better something feels, the easier it is to keep on doing it. A hundred percent. Um, so my favorite research uh, suggests that, and this is like not going to be a shocker to anybody, but we think that self-improvement is meant to be hard, right? Mm. Like I think that it's supposed to be this really difficult, painful thing that like, if I can go to the gym and it's really, and like sweat it out and really struggle that that's yeah. better for me. When in reality, Having self-improvement tasks that are hard is makes it like less likely we'll actually follow through. Absolutely. But making it enjoyable, making it fun, you can still get some of the same results and not make it so such a struggle. Yeah. And I think that's how it ends up being something that becomes a habit and is something you're consistent about and is again a huge theme of this, which is like I think, I think that we think that we do have to punish ourselves. And I think we think that we it does have to be hard. But I think the reality is is and it's it comes up again and again and again is oftentimes the thing that is the most self-compassionate and feels really good ends up being the thing that winds up really being healthy. And at the same time we do have to forego some of the right now wants to reap them later on. But this has been so interesting. Thank you so much. Your book is available next week, right? That's right. It comes out on June 6th um, and you can pre-order. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you. It's so fun. I hope we'll do it again. And yes, your book is available for pre-order right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Good Instincts, hosted and written by me, Shira Barlow. You can find me on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. Good Instincts is a Dear Media Daily. Today's episode is brought to us by ButcherBox. I am so in love with this company. I think that it's so nice to have some decisions that are already pre-made for you 
In my household, chicken is a love language. I do it all different ways, but the most special way I do is braised chicken. And I think the reason why it's so special is that it takes a little bit of time. It's longer than just kind of like your casual weeknight meal. It takes like an hour and a half to make. I made it recently with my butcher box chicken thighs, and it was phenomenal. The thing about ButcherBox is that you're always going to get 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. It's always humanely raised and no antibiotics or added hormones, and I just really trust them. It's delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping always, and they offer curated to customize box plans, which I love. The other thing is there are a variety of really high quality cuts at an amazing value. There are exclusive member deals and there are recipe inspiration guides and tips and hacks, which I absolutely love. Sometimes it's really nice to just have someone really give you a guide of what you should make for you. It takes the pressure off of having to know what you're going to make every week. And I've gotten some great ideas from them. ButcherBox is giving us a special deal. Sign up today using the code instinct to receive ground beef for a year plus $20 off your first order. That's two pounds of ground beef free in every box for a year plus $20 off your first order when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash instinct and use the code instinct. 